0: issue for all women oh hey there you excellent humans mickey noonan here welcoming you to sunday chops or actually it's a little bit shorter this week so sunday chocolates a little snackle of chops sunday cutlet we'll go with sunday cutlet welcome to sunday cutlet hazel davis who is awesome got to chat with korean-american comic margaret cho who's also awesome She's just spent over a year in rehab, that's Margaret Cho, not Hazel Davis, and is now on a massive global tour called Fresh Off the Bloat, which, you know, is as filthy and full frontal as you would expect if you've ever heard or seen any of Margaret Cho before. Her last date in the UK is Sunday the 10th of December at the Shepherd's Bush Empire, and at the time of recording, there were two tickets left. So, you know, whether they're still there when you are listening to this and thinking, I must go see her... Is debatable, so sorry about that. Hazel excitedly just delves right into the interview, which is why I'm giving you this little one right now. Also, just a heads up, we had technical problems. Ugh, sorry about that. Margaret was on the phone from America, which doesn't help because even in our modern technological wonder world, things still go wrong. Just harking back to the days when we used to pay pigeons to travel around and deliver messages. We did, we did pay the pigeons, right? Did those pigeons get paid? I don't know. I don't, now I say it, it seems like what would a pigeon do with money? It'd be heavy if they had to carry that as well as messages. Clearly, this is irrelevant. Let's get to the meat of Sunday, which is this Sunday cutlet tuck in. Don't forget to check out our other podcasts, which you'll find on pretty much all podcasty apps. And also, Get that fine arse of yours onto a seat at one of our live shows, details of which you can find on Sarah Millican's site, which is www.sarahmillican.co.uk forward slash standard hyphen issue. Right, enough of me wanging on. Here are Margaret and Hazel having a good old chinwag.
1: I've got Margaret Cho on the phone from America. Let's go straight in. Um, So you are... Just out of rehab, and your show kind of focuses on, on what happened in rehab. How did you, can you talk me through how you got to that stage and how, how you kind of realized that you needed it and who was instrumental in that?
2: Uh, well, I wasn't actually, um, I, I, was, I, I didn't go there by choice. I was put there by people <laughs> who um, are in my life, who I love, who just didn't really give me a choice at all. So it was good, I was there for a long time, Um, I loved it. I thought it was really fun, which I don't know if it's supposed to be, but uh, I got out just in time, um, you know, because now of course, uh, Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey are there, it's a different kind of a thing. Um, I actually didn't go to theirs, but I went to a similar one um, that would have catered to people like that, for sure. Uh, It was really, I mean, it was really expensive, and it was really um, amazing. Uh, but I, I think, like I had it. You know, I didn't need to stay there any longer, so
1: it was good. Who were the people that put you there? Then what? What prompted them making you go? If you don't mind talking about that.
2: I, I think. Uh, well, I mean, I think it was just it was all the people that I worked with, mm-hmm. all my friends, um, and yeah, I just. Um, Kind of like, you know, I overdid everything and it wasn't, it wasn't like I had any kind of a say in it, you know, like I just kind of, you know, I had to go and so that was the best thing, you know, but I'm really glad I went.
1: Okay. Do you feel like a different person if that's not too much of a cliche? Have you come out kind of with a whole new fresh perspective on things?
2: Yeah, in a way, but also not. Like, I also just know that it was the right thing. Like, I I think that if you go, like, it's really like you either go or die. Like, that's kind of the way it is. Like, unfortunately, I don't, uh, I, I mean, not that I think there's a way to do drugs like a normal person, but I don't do anything like a normal person. So it wasn't possible for me to do it anymore and uh it's just hard to maintain you know that kind mm. of stuff it's just too difficult so i'm glad that i'm out of there
1: having been there do you think that rehab is the answer for harvey weinstein and kevin Spacey?
2: well i think it's a place for them to retreat i think that that's the one good thing about rehab is that it does offer you um some kind of shelter like and also if they take well in general I don't know if that place does it, but they do take away like your uh, media, like you don't have any social media, you don't have a phone, you don't have anything like that. So you can't really access anything happening Mm -hmm. in the world. And that I think is probably the biggest um, advantage and Mm -hmm. disadvantage of being in rehab is that they, they just, you don't know what's going on out in the world.
1: How was that for you? Is that something that you struggle with generally? Are you quite addicted to technology?
2: I can be, um, but I also know that uh, it's not, um, you know, that's one thing like I don't really have a problem with. It, it doesn't really matter, but for other people it can be very
1: addictive. Mm, no, sure, okay. Let's jump straight back to Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey. How do you feel about being a woman in showbiz right now?
2: I'm really grateful. I feel like this is a long time coming. Mm-hmm. I think that it's an incredible time. I think we're really seeing the the change in the way that people view power and we're we're seeing like the end of abuses of power in so many different ways and so I'm really grateful for that. I feel like, um, you know, being in Hollywood as long as I have, this has been going on forever and even it's not just hollywood but like growing up in the 70s mm. where young women were often very sexualized and this was very common like normal to be like thinking about uh young girls in that way whether it was brooke shields or N- Nostalgia Kinski, mm. like that kind of stuff was so um prevalent in the 70s and normalized and now we look at it and we're like, oh, my God, that's an abusive place to grow up. And to be, you know, just that right age at that time it was really difficult and really and hard to endure. There was so much stuff. So all of us have a million stories that of what happened and, and how we got through it. it it's really crazy. Mm.
1: It feels like everybody kind of turned a blind eye. Do you feel like you were guilty of turning a blind eye to things that you knew were happening?
2: It's not my job to police everyone. I'm just trying to get away and get by.
0: Yeah. You know, and
2: I also don't. I, I'm not in the film world. I don't know um, about all of the stuff that Robbie Weinstein is doing. Like, I I wasn't in any of those movies, and I'm not yeah. in, in that community. So I had no idea about him and what he was doing. But um, in you know places like comedy, whether it's somebody like Louis C.K. like yeah. that. It was, of course, common knowledge. And at the same time, you're just trying to avoid, like, getting trapped. Like, yeah. I just didn't want to get trapped around him. That, that's something that we've been doing and avoiding him since we were teenagers. Mm. He's always been like that. Wow. And so it's not like, why you know, it doesn't have to be our crusade to, like, stop him. Because we're just spending all of our time trying to get away. Hmm.
1: I, a lot of people would argue, though, that that's, that's perpetuated everything, though, that by people just avoiding him and not shouting, you know, not shouting about it, then that perpetuates that situation. Do you feel that might have shifted now? Yeah, I'm sure.
2: I'm sure that's right. I mean, I'm sure, like, you know, when you're avoiding, you know, your own sexual abuse, like, and trying to get away and trying to um, make sure you're not kind of caught up in that, you know, of course that that there's a difference of like trying to get away from sexual abuse, <laughs> then then covering it up. Yeah, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's like, you know, all of the women that I know who we we all grew up around it. We're just trying to get away and trying to avoid being targeted. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's a whole community of people uh, who are protecting and. Covering up for the
1: abuser. Now you're in a, a relative position of power. Do you feel that pressure of having to sort of speak out for women, or speak out for you know any other minorities really, or do you not feel that pressure?
2: Well, I think it's it's really about um, you know kind of how you feel, or where you're coming from. Like I coming, I come from a place of understanding abuse as somebody like that's a survivor like I come from Mm -hmm. a survivor perspective yeah. and so that's very different too Um, so there's lots of ways to look at it um, but I'm really into trying to help other survivors
1: Do you think that that survivor uh, status for want of a better word gives you more allowance to joke about sexual assault like in a way that it doesn't James Corden
2: Yeah that's really important you know I think that like if you're Coming from a place of being a survivor and knowing it firsthand, abuse and all that it it, it, it entails, um, it, it's very different from making jokes about it from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's also very. I mean, very few survivors are in comedy talking about it. I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of other people who have endured it in comedy, but. In general, I can't even think of one other comedian that is talking about sexual abuse, harassment, misconduct from within the experience. Hmm. So, um, I'm glad that I get to do that. Um, And I definitely think that we have that permission as um, people who know what it's like, you know?
1: Do you personally feel that there are any subjects that you wouldn't tackle? Subjects that you don't have first-hand experience of in comedy?
2: I'm sure there's lots of things that I, I don't know. Um, I just do what I think is right or just do what I think I, I, I mean, what I want to write about, you know, but I don't really think about
1: it in terms of like, oh, can I
2: talk about this? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, let the, let's talk about Donald Trump. You, you've done some Trump material and I think, you know, you're, you're fairly outspoken on it. Do you think, how important is this that people keep continually mocking him?
2: Oh, it's, it's, well, it's hilarious, like, it's, but it's also really embarrassing, you know, just like, that is the worst thing, you know? I mean, and now being in a country that was seeking to ban him outright, even before he was elected, mm. it's really embarrassing. Mm. I mean, he's just an embarrassing president. I don't know how it happened. Well, I do know how I mean, he cheated, as obviously Russia wanted him as president, um, not, not us.
1: So, it's, it's What what do you think will happen? Do you think he will be impeached? Well, I
2: would not think so. I would hope that that would happen. I mean, I don't know though, you know, that... I I mean, for him also to not be able to be accountable for all of his own sexual abuse, like that to me Mm -hmm. is really strange too. It's like, why is he getting away with it? There's Mm -hmm. no reason that he should be. He's done far worse than some people who have completely lost their careers. So I don't know what's going on.
1: Mm -hmm. Are you scared of him at all? I I read something about a, a gig that you did where uh, in Washington where they said don't talk about Donald Trump. Are you do you ever feel any pressure to not talk about him?
2: Yeah, there there was like, you know, all of this stuff with this big event um and they're like don't talk about Donald Trump. Mm. And then it was crazy because um Ivanka was there. Yeah. And that's why she was donating a lot of money and and of course we all did. Like, you know, you can't challenge people like Jerry Seinfeld. And, you know, we're mm. all going to do whatever we're going to do. Mm. Um, but no, you, you have to be able to laugh about it. That's the one thing that we do have is that comedy is such an important edit provider of Progressive thoughts and relief—it's the only thing we can
1: do. Mm-hmm. You're coming to do your tour in Britain. How do the audiences differ in that respect? In the the ways that we laugh about different things, if you put that into English so I think that
2: well, there's a different comedy is different, like in that um, comedians have a different purpose, and there's uh, much more of a connection that people have with comedians because you're. Um, Comics are doing a different show every year. They're going out there, they're reinventing themselves every show. And that's really unusual. I think that's really unique and and it makes for a very sophisticated audience. Okay.
1: And do you feel like there are topics that you can talk about differently or do you not view your comedy like that?
2: I don't think about it like that. I mean, I think it's more. that uh, I get a chance to do something that's really unusual for American comics. There's not a lot of American comics that come over here. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: and so that's unique. I love that. Mm
1: -hmm. Have you ever done material that you now regret, that you think, I wish I hadn't said that or talked about that?
2: I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I have. I don't remember anything, but I think that that's kind of what you want to do, is you want to be like i'm not sure if i should do this and that's kind of a good place to be as <laughs> an artist. Is that is that
1: is, is that your kind of top priority for material that works then whether you whether you are unsure about it is that your criteria.
2: Yeah, that's a good place to be. Yeah, to be kind of like mm, i don't know if this is right. This is
1: probably wrong. That's that's the best. <laughs> yeah. And who do, who do you currently admire um, comedy wise? I love Wanda Sykes. Um, i
2: absolutely love Kate Notaro, I think she's amazing, um, you know, um, the people that I love here are people like Gina Yashere and Stephen okay. K. Amos and, and Paul Foote are okay. my favorite Rick. Um but uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of comedy. I know that my friend Kathy Griffin was just here, um, oh, wow. she's got a lot to say. About Trump and, and, yeah. and everything that's going on. Um, but I, yeah, I love it.
1: Mm-hmm. What's kind of next after this tour? What are you going on to work on next?
2: Um, I'm going to go back to work on a TV show that I am um, working on that I uh, created for um, TNT, uh, which is a network of friends about a Korean American family, a very different uh, oh, yeah. kind of family. Um, uh, and they're in the marijuana industry and I, I play a very, uh, you know, pretty much myself. I'm
1: um, <laughs> not a comedian, um, but I do just come out of rehab and uh, I think it's really cool. Do you prefer acting to stand up or is it all, are they all different?
2: I like it all. I think it's all great. I think it's really exciting to be able to do both. And I'm really lucky that I can do both. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else that you want to plug other than your tour?
2: I'm just excited to be here. I'm really excited. that There's so many dates that I get to do here. And so this is my first big UK tour. So it's thrilling.
1: I hope it goes really well. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank you.